Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Jump on in with me. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Topping the news today, we've talked all year long about the proposal to eliminate stepped-up basis when calculating capital gains taxes and what effect that could have on passing the farm down to the next generation. We thought that proposal had been shelved by congressional Democrats who are trying to push their $3.5 trillion spending and tax increase package through Congress. Well, it came up again in a recent House Agriculture Committee hearing, so maybe it's not dead after all. We'll check on that to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. All year long we've talked about tough times for Texas High Plains cattle feeders, but their luck may be about to change. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Spacing considerations are important when planting trees on rural property. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Many organizations missed their annual meeting last year due to the pandemic, so getting back together is turning out to be a special treat. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I'll tell you about our recent Soil and Water Conservation District meeting and my report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We reported a couple of weeks ago that Democrats had dropped their push to eliminate stepped-up basis for calculating capital gains taxes. But in a recent House Ag Committee hearing, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack brought it up again. If the farm continues to be owned and operated by the family, there is no impact. There is no tax due. There's no capital gains that's due at that point in time. Secondly, if in fact at some point in time in the future the family decides to sell the farm and get out of the farming business, there are exemptions, a million dollars a person. But Illinois Congresswoman Mary Miller wasn't buying it. Are you saying that rolling that back is not going to affect the family farm or ranch? Did you just say that rolling back the stepped-up basis is not going to affect them? Our ERS has taken a look at this, um, and they have concluded not once but twice uh, that roughly 98% of family farms uh, in in this country are not going to be impacted and affected by this. American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall argued last month that a tax carve-out for farms is dangerous, creating a lingering tax liability that could discourage farm lending and impacting ag input suppliers who will pass along costs to producers. USDA has a new text and email alert system for farmers. 
Texas farmers and ranchers can now sign up for email or text alerts on important deadlines and news on things like farm loans, disaster assistance, and crop insurance from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Producers can sign up for alerts based on a location or a specific topic like soil health, safety net programs, or disaster assistance. News updates will be delivered via a single email or text message through the Gov delivery system. USDA's Farm Service Agency has offered a similar service for years now. It's now available to those wishing for updates from the Natural Resources Conservation Service, Risk Management Agency, and other USDA agencies. Farmers and ranchers can sign up for the updates at farmers.gov backslash subscribe. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Most cattle in Texas are in good shape as we head into the fall and winter months. Scott Frazier is near Corpus Christi. He says the spring and summer rains were a big help this year. Cattle look look pretty good. You know, we've had enough rains in the spring and, and then, you know, off and on during the summer that most of the pastures are in pretty darn good shape. Uh, just started to get a little dry, but then that little bit of a tropical storm and then uh, the little deal over the weekend, most most of the pastures have probably got an inch or so, kind of fluffed them back up, but kind of getting where we could use the rain again. Frazier says those spring and summer rains were a double-edged sword when it came to getting hay put up this summer. We produced a lot of grass, but it was hard to get it baled. This has been a tough year for Texas High Plains cattle feeders, but James Hunt tells us their luck may be about to change. With fed cattle prices on the spot market running around $124 per hundredweight, it remains hard for cattle feeders in the Texas High Plains to make money. In fact, Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says losses are probably averaging about $100 a head on a cash basis. Fortunately, through hedging and other forms of risk management, many cattle feeders are able to achieve healthier margins. Miller also says with the current high price of the corn and feed rations, some cattle feeders are able to save money by putting their animals on pasture for a while. Let's say you buy a 600-pound feeder animal and you put them out on wheat. That animal, you could put them out for a handful of months and that animal could gain, you know, a couple hundred pounds. And instead of putting them into the feed yard at 600 pounds, you'd actually put that animal in the feed yard at eight or 900 pounds. And so they would spend less time in the feed yard eating a high grain ration. So yes, there are strategic ways to navigate these tough times. But the good news is, Miller says it looks like better times ahead. For cattle that are being put in the yard today, a 750-pound steer being put in the feed yard today, you know, it's looking like the current break-even could actually turn positive when these cattle come out of the yard. Much of that optimism relates to where things currently stand in the cattle cycle. Supplies are tightening, including in local feed yards. We're expecting our inventory to drop moving into the fourth quarter and going into 2022. Miller says Texas Cattle Feeders estimates total cattle on feed within TCFA's three-state membership area of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico is down by 5% from a year ago. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Certain tree species perform better in certain rural environments. Tom Nicoletti explains. Today I continue my conversation with Hall & Hall broker partner Tyler Jacobs about planting new trees on rural property. So, you know, those varieties that you're 
selecting, you know, there's a lot of good resources out there from AgriLife to local horticulturists and arborists that, that have a lot of good knowledge of selective varieties of certain species that will do better in certain settings. And then can I get away with a native species here? Is the soil right for the native species? Or do I need to go with an improved species for some particular disease resistance? The first thing you need to go through is that selection process of what kind of trees we're going to plant. The next step, uh, once you uh, determine which species of trees to plant on the property, is actually planting them and and having uh, adequate spacing. The value of these trees is coming years later as to what it contributes to our property. So one of the common mistakes you see is people planting trees too close to existing improvements or future improvements or planting them too close to each other. So, for example, you've probably noticed a live oak lined driveway where the trees were planted there 15 years ago. And now instead of looking like trees, they look like shrubs because they were planted too close together. And and so ultimately, you have to remove a bunch of those trees to get them to express their full growth potential and to be able to drive down the driveway because the canopy is too close together. And then you see a lot of structural damage from trees being planted too close to houses. That is Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall LLP. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farm meetings took a hiatus last fall because of COVID, but they are back here in 2021. Barry Mahler has an update from the Rolling Plains. The 81st annual meeting of Soil and Water Conservation Districts of Texas was held recently in Round Rocks, and even though several award winners were honored, I think just the ability to hold an in-person meeting made everyone in attendance a winner. The pandemic prevented the group from gathering last year like many other groups, and as much as new communication technology has advanced and there are some new tools to use, there's just nothing that compares to the face-to-face meeting of friends and coworkers from across the state. I think many of you will agree that when you attend one of these meetings, the official programs bring a lot of information, but a lot is also learned from visiting with peers during the breaks. As always, time was spent discussing the effect uh, that the latest legislative session is likely to have on conservation and agriculture in general, and although not everything that was desired was funded, soil and water conservation districts find themselves in a good position to move forward with the necessary work of protecting our natural resources. Flood control and dam rehabilitation is a main focus as as well as continuing to move forward with programs to improve soil health and productivity. The USDA funds a feral hog project uh, through the Farm Bill, and that's being managed by the State Soil and Water Conservation Board. And some new techniques that are coming forward were presented as uh, economic damage from wild hogs continues to climb, and it's actually finding its way into more urban areas of our state. Winners of the annual categories of competition were honored, with this year's Friend of Conservation Award going to Mr. Stephen dies. He represents the Victoria Soil and Water Conservation District. Conservation Teacher of the Year is Sherilyn Welch from the Howard Soil and Water Conservation District. The Outstanding Conservation Farmer Honors went to Todd Westerfield from the McLennan County SWCD. This year's Outstanding Conservation Rancher is the Broken W Partnership owned by John Watley and his late father, Bob Watley, from the San Patricio Soil and Water Conservation District. The Wildlife Conservationist Award went to John Quinn, representing 
Wayne McCullough County SWCD, and this year's outstanding conservation district in Texas is the Parker County Soil and Water Conservation District, originally established in 1941. A lot of outstanding work was recognized, and as I mentioned earlier in this report, just seeing everyone in person was a real treat of this meeting. This is Barry Mahler reporting from the Rolling Plains for Texas Ag Today. Regulated animal trapping helps maintain a critical balance in nature. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there's always a risk when using anesthesia in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There is always a risk when using anesthesia in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says the older the horse, the higher the risk. Dr. Lori Bidwell is an anesthesiologist, and she indicates in the horse publication that anesthesia of horses is a higher risk than most domestic animals. This is because of their large body mass and the recovery period that requires them to stand quickly after anesthesia. Horses' flight instinct prevents them from staying down until completely awake, and they sometimes injure themselves trying to rise too quickly. Also, any anesthetic procedure longer than three hours increases the risk of complications, and this is not unusual for colic surgery or orthopedic surgery. Field anesthesia is generally safe as it is used for short procedures such as castration, wound repair, or bandage changes, and these horses generally recover well. Most field anesthesia cases are performed in a grassy area with plenty of room for recovery, but it is not a sterile environment. These horses usually stand on their own, whereas horses under longer-term anesthesia in a hospital setting usually require some assistance in standing. Horses under long-term general anesthesia in the hospital are induced by the similar drugs used in the field, but since longer-acting medications are required for longer surgery, recovery can be a problem. Most hospitals have a rope system to assist horses in standing after surgery and have a padded recovery room to prevent injury. Some have a pool filled with water for recovery of horses to prevent injury. Monitoring anesthesia in the hospital is certainly easier than on the farm, as parameters like blood pressure and oxygen administration is available in the hospital, which is more important with these older horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Regulated animal trapping helps maintain a critical balance in nature. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. There are many ways that Texans can help preserve and conserve our state's natural resources, including wildlife. One method that sometimes gets overlooked is trapping. Bill Applegate, vice president of the Texas Trappers and Fur Hunters Association, says trappers help maintain an important balance in nature. 
Well, we've all heard about the balance of nature. It's kind of a steady, straight line is what we think of as a balance. But actually in wildlife, a balance is a series of peaks and valleys. Animal populations will climb and climb and escalate to the point where their habitat can no longer support that number of animals. And many animals die and are wasted because of starvation or disease. And when that takes effect, then the population crashes into these valleys. And it takes time to get over it and start working their way back up to the next peak. With regulated trapping, which we have here in Texas, these peaks and valleys are minimized. It helps return the number of animals more towards that straight line balance that the habitat will support. And another good thing is that trapping and fur harvesting is a renewable resource as opposed to oil and gas generated fake fur and because animals reproduce and only the excess are harvested. There are several fur bearing animals in Texas, including muskrat, beaver, nutria, mink, skunk, foxes, bobcats, and coyotes. We'll have more on this on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The weakness continued on Monday in the cattle market. We saw both live and feeder cattle move lower, but the cotton market is continuing to climb its way back toward $1.10. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The weakness continued in the cattle futures market on Tuesday as we saw mostly lower close for both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle dropped 45 cents to close at 125 even. December down 40 at 130.02. The February unchanged at 135 even. Feeder cattle lower October down 65 cents, 155.10. November feeders down 50 at 158.85. January feeder cattle down 32, 159.22. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. No sales to report, but we do see bids from the feedlots here in the south at 126 and better. Boxed beef was higher Tuesday. Choice up 72 cents at 280.81. Select up at $1.82, 261.63. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. And here comes 
Your livestock market operator report from Ken Jordan. Jordan Cattle Auction special sales are important to all our auctions. Ken had a special bull sale on Friday in San Saba. Ken, how'd it go? In our bull sale, we had 130 bulls in our bull sale. We started off early with very, very strong demand. Full crowd here. And Martin Bruning bring us 12 bulls that they had here. They averaged uh, right at $3,646. Uh, the 21 Knox Brothers Angus bulls averaged $3,609. 15 Herper bulls, they averaged off the Knox's $3,220. Added four really good Angus bulls off B4L Angus, they averaged 600 They hit hope. Uh, Oaks Ranch uh, Herefords, the Keith Rogers over at Hamilton. He had 18 Hereford Bulls. They averaged 3306. Uh, and then we had the Simmons 25 head of River Charlotte Bulls. Uh, that's counting the older Bulls and the young Bulls. They averaged $3,164. Very, very good. Very uh, good activity, Larry, on the Bull Deal today. Tell everybody how to contact you. You bet. Give us a call, Larry. Go 325 372 5159. Also, Larry, we do have the Hill Country Youth Heifer Show and Sell next week. We're going to start at 10 o'clock, a little over 200-something heifers. We do have them all listed up on the website, and uh, the young folks that are uh, doing exhibiting, we got their names there and everything, and uh, kind of what bulls are bred to. They do record books, and also they'll do interviews next Wednesday. We'll sell the cattle on Thursday, so if you can come along and support those young folks, we'd appreciate it, or watch it and bid on the Internet too, Larry. Thank you, Ken. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you Sunday evening. Sounds great, Larry. Thank you. Neighbor, that's it for today's edition of Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble, and I'll have another glass of iced tea for you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hog. Closed lower on Tuesday. December hogs down a dollar thirty-five, seventy-seven forty. February down a dollar thirty-two at eighty forty-five. Class three milk was mixed. October milk down a penny, seventeen ninety-one a hundredweight. November milk up three at 1919 100. The cotton market traded on both sides of unchanged on Tuesday. We were more than 100 points lower at one point during the trading session, but we turned that around to close higher. A lower U.S. dollar helping the market, as well as outside market strength helping to boost prices also. We closed with December cotton up 79 points, 107.83. March cotton up 89 at 105.84. The corn market lower as we're continuing to make very good progress getting the corn crop out of the field now. Of course, they're moving full speed ahead in the corn belt. Corn now 52% harvested nationwide. That is well ahead of the average pace. December corn down two and a half, 530 and a quarter. March corn down one and a half at 539 a bushel. Not a lot of direction in the wheat complex on Tuesday. July Kansas City wheat was down three quarters, 749 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up a half, 740 and a half. In the energy markets, November natural gas up eight cents Tuesday, 507. November crude oil up 50 cents at 8294 a barrel. The financial markets were higher on Tuesday. The Dow up 167 points at 35,425. The NASDAQ up 103, 15,125. The S&P up 30 points, 4,517. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.